Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am thrilled that you are back with us today. I hope you're having a great day. Whatever you're doing today, I'm sure you've got little ones tugging at your toes and um, pulling on your, your shirt, asking for a snack or whatever it is that you've got going on right now. I am grateful that you are listening to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast today because we have a great guest with us again this week as we always do. But first, I wanna thank our sponsor, CTC Math. They are a fantastic online math curriculum program. If you are looking for an online math program, check them out, ctcmath.com. You can uh, try it for free. The first several lessons you can try for free, see if it works for you and your family, ctcmath.com. Well, I want to introduce you guys to my friend, Steve Lambert. Um, Steve and I met several years ago at a Teach Them Diligently Homeschool Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, if you listen to Heidi St. John, if you listen to her podcast, you've probably heard Steve on there. He and his wife, Jane, are really good friends with the St. John's. And so this is the first time Steve's been on the Schoolhouse Rock podcast, and I'm really honored to have him on. He has been part of the homeschool world for a really long time. And guys, when I say a really long time, I mean, since I was like seven, that's a long time. That's like 40 years, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, he and his wife began homeschooling in 1981. And I just find it incredible that God has used him and his family in amazing ways. And so I'm excited to introduce him to you, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Yvette. It's great to be here with you today. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's kind of funny how you ended up coming on because we are starting to do this series. It's called the Homeschool Survival Series. And I was wanting somebody to come on to talk about unit studies. And I thought, well, of course, the best person to talk about unit studies would be Jane Lambert, who wrote five in a row, the curriculum five in a row. And so I, I contacted Steve and I said, hey, can can we get John, Jane on the podcast? And he said, well, you know, she's she's great behind the pen, but she doesn't really love being in front of the camera. Let us think about it and pray about it. Well, that led to getting into a deeper conversation with Steve. And he just said, you know, I'd be happy to bring some encouragement as a veteran homeschool dad to your audience. And as we started this discussion on it, I was like, this is amazing. We really need, we need to hear this message. And so as a veteran homeschool dad, who's been at this for 40 some years, um, introduce us first to your family. And then I would love to know how you got involved in homeschooling back in 1981. Yeah, it, uh, it was a whole different experience back then. That we, I, to my knowledge, I, we never met a homeschool family. I never heard of homeschooling. I didn't know homeschooling was even uh, an option. And somehow my wife heard about it, Jane, I don't know where she came across the concept. And she said, what would you think? Now, this conversation ought to sound familiar because I think many of your listeners and your viewers have had the same conversation. She said, what would you think? I mean, just hypothetically now, what would you think if we were to take the kids out of school and teach them at home? And that's how it begins for most of us. And it's usually prompted by the Holy Spirit and things that we swore we'd never do. We suddenly find ourselves exploring. And so my first question was, is that even legal? And right. my second question was, I didn't know I didn't know the word socialization back then. Nobody taught me that word. So I said, how will my kids have friends if they're not in school? And uh, so we talked about it and I prayed about it. And I felt like the Lord said to me, you want your kids to have friends? I said, yes. And he said, he said, uh, and you're convinced that being around lots of other kids makes friendship. And I said, right. And, and I felt like 
kind of, you know, not audibly, you know what I mean? I just mm -hmm. felt like the Lord sure. said to me, I can hear the prayers tonight of thousands of people who are surrounded by people but are, who are so lonely tonight that they're considering suicide. Mm. Friendship is not a result of being around people. If you want friends for your children, ask me, I'll send them friends. Friendship is a gift from God. And so we began that journey. They'd been in public school, our oldest daughter, not our youngest, our oldest had been in a public school for a year, then a private Christian school for a year. And then we made the decision to begin homeschooling. And so that was in 1981. And within a few months, um, I'd be less than honest if I didn't tell you, and Jane, Jane always kind of cringes when I say this, but it's true, and she knows it's true. Within a few months, I'd come home from work, and I'd find Jane in her room crying. I'd find our <laughs> daughter in her room crying. And Jane said after a while, you know, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. I, didn't, I, I never wanted to be at war with my kids. And I think we should maybe just throw ourselves in the mercy of the school board and re-enroll them. But... As she prayed about it, she felt like the Lord said, why don't you read to your kids? And she said, oh, I do, but how do I teach them? And he said, why don't you read to them? And she said, well, I, I do. We read aloud a lot, but how do I teach them? And he said, why don't you read to them? <laughs> and so on that note, she kind of changed everything she was doing because we'd found used textbooks at garage sales and old history. I think the first history book we ever found was published in 1943, and we got to oh. the end of it. And it didn't tell who won World War II. And so we were kind of distressed by that. But uh, so she said, Do you know the, now? Yeah, I, I do know now. I do know now. Um, so she kind of set that all aside, except for math and spelling. And she began reading. And out of the reading time came all sorts of joyous discoveries because within the pages of books are treasures about history and about personalities and about courage and about dealing with our fears and about geography and about foreign culture and, 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 and food and music. And so together they began exploring. And out of that, um, oddly, several years later, as our kids began to grow, several girlfriends came to Jane and said, you know, um, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I find myself in my room crying most days and my kids in their room crying. And you seem to have a great experience. What do you do? And she said, well, you just read to them. And they said, what do you mean read to them? And so she said, well, you read and you talk about what's in the books. And they said, well, I don't get it. And so she wrote as a gift to some girlfriends, some lesson plans for some of her favorite early childhood books and said, here's some things you could talk about. And here's some things you could do and meals you could cook and places you could explore. And that became the very first incarnation of what now known as five in a row unit studies, which have been used, I think, by six or seven hundred thousand children over the last 30 years in about. I don't know, 60 different countries. Um, but it all began really kind of at the bedside Bible college of homeschooling because, and I think this is important, because there weren't any choices back then. There wasn't yeah. any homeschool curriculum to choose from. Textbook publishers wouldn't sell. We contacted several Christian textbook publishers and they wouldn't sell us because, and this is my surmising between the lines, but I think because Christian schools said, if you sell to homeschoolers, then they don't need us and we will stop using your curriculum. So they refused mm -hmm. to sell individuals. But as time went by, the industry grew. And now I mean, I'm proud to be part of the industry that's a multi-billion dollar industry. But I think it's actually harder for new homeschoolers today than it was then, because then all we knew was the Lord had told us to do it. And so we had to figure it out. And today, I think if you walk into a typical homeschool convention and you see 600 vendors, 
Yeah. With over 100 math programs and over 100 phonics programs and over 100 history programs, it's just pretty overwhelming. Yeah. And I will sometimes say to Jane, what would you do if you walked in today as a brand new first time homeschooler? And she said, I think I'd turn around and walk back out again. You know? so, <laughs> but uh, over the years, we've watched it grow. And now we're in the third generation because our kids are grown. My daughters are now 40. Well, I'm not going to say, but they're well into their 40s. And so my oldest grandchild's uh, making plans for an upcoming wedding. And so I have yeah. seven grandkids from uh, age seven to age 22, and they've all been homeschooled. And so I think moms need to hear that your kids aren't going to grow up to be freaks. Oh, I mean, they might if you're a right. freak, <laughs> but, but not if, if they do, it won't be because of homeschooling. And right. so you, so, so we're now seeing third generation homeschoolers and we know now thousands and thousands of them besides our own children and our grandchildren and discover that they're leaders in their community. They find their place within the community. They've, they've developed their gift set through the medium of homeschooling and the opportunities that are abundant there that are missing in a classroom setting where they have time to pursue their gifts and their interests. And, uh, and wherever they seem to go, they immediately, um, almost without exception, it seems to become leaders in their, in whatever community they find themselves in. And I think parents who are just starting this journey need to know that that's the outcome. I read a, a survey not too long ago about a small private college, I think in the Carolinas, if I recall, and they had, 3,000 students, and of the 3,000 students, they had 90 who had been homeschooled, um, so 3%. But of the 12 elected leadership positions among the student body, so advisor to the dean, senior class president, advisor to the, to, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. 11 of the 12 were homeschool students, recognized oh, wow. by their peers as being leaders in the university community. So it's scary. I mean, this is a scary thing. You know, if you, if you foul this up, your kids and your grandkids are going to come home and live with you forever because they're never going to be able to get a job. <laughs> so we're so we're frightened when we start this journey. But it's now a well-traveled path with lots of proven results. And our family is just one of millions of families that have seen the fruit that grows. And the fruit that grows from homeschooling is sweet. And yeah. especially when it's a decision born out of faith. Decisions born out of faith bear sweet fruit. Decisions born out of fear not so much sometimes. Sometimes that can be bitter. So we encourage people, don't don't choose homeschooling because you're afraid of violence in the classroom or because you're afraid of of godlessness in the schools, because all those are are real. I mean, those are right. those are things to be concerned about. But the reason to choose homeschooling is because the Lord's put that desire in your heart and you move forward by faith, going, you know what, Lord, I don't I don't have all the answers, but I'm trusting that you knew I was terrible at spelling when I was in school and you've got a plan. And uh, I'm trusting you for that. Yeah. Amen. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. As we try to impart a biblical worldview in our children and equip them to be salt and light in an increasingly secular culture, we need tools to explain how the scriptures mold our view of every subject we teach. We need homeschool curriculum that shows how the Lord rules over everything we learn while stretching our children to follow him wherever he leads. Learn how BJU Press Homeschool has served thousands of Christian homeschool families just like yours by visiting BJUPressHomeschool.com. Are you ready to restore our constitutional republic? Patriot Academy is on the front lines of the mission to educate, train, and inspire millions of citizens to know and live their freedoms. With courses and materials from America's Constitution coach, Rick Green, Patriot Academy's Constitution training will equip you to be a leader in your community. 
You don't have to know anything about history, the Constitution, or the law to get started. The courses and coach training are free. Find a class today or sign up to be a Constitution coach at PatriotAcademy.com. Again, that's PatriotAcademy.com. We are back with Steve. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting to think back to those years. Tell us kind of how you've seen the transition of homeschooling. And you talked about curriculum, of course, and how there was not a lot available. But what have you seen? Um, just have you, how have you seen culture shift from those years in the early eighties into the nineties, into the two thousands. And now we're in 2022, which is so crazy um, to think that we're this far ahead of it. Now, how have you seen things shift? Cause you've been doing this for quite some time. Yeah, we have. And we were first homeschoolers for, um, about 14 years before we became involved in the industry. And we've been in the industry now for 28 years or 27 years. And it's interesting because when we started, uh, I mean, we literally hid in the house and during, right. during school hours. And we actually got a knock at the door from uh, Department of Family Services. Someone, I, and we think we know who, a relative of mine who has since passed away, uh, I believe in with the best of intentions, contacted social services and said, this family is neglecting their children and not letting them be in school. And uh, so they came, they had to see our children, make sure they weren't abused or bruised or whatever. And, uh, and they referred us to the school district where we lived. And so I ended up getting summoned to the superintendent's office of this suburban 4A school district. And uh, he, we brought in, we hired an attorney because at that point in time, it was, there was a prosecutorial atmosphere about sure. homeschooling and, and we'd heard frightening stories. So we hired an attorney, we went, we met, ultimately he, he um, gave us his blessing. He said, I'm not going to um, cause you any trouble. And in fact, we had test results that indicated our children were actually testing better under our care than they had with the same test when they were in public school at the oldest. But the funny part of that story was uh, he said to me, you know, I think you're making a serious mistake. And he was he was then about my age now. He was probably in his late 60s uh, when I was in my 30s. And he said, I, you know, I have a doctorate in, in uh, public education. And he said, I believe that you're making a serious mistake um, that you'll regret in years to come. But we're not going to hold it against you. And, uh, you know, appreciate your you're coming and spending time with us today. Well, the strange part was about three months later, I get a phone call from the superintendent and I thought, oh boy, what's this about? And he said, Mr. Lambert, can I talk with you frankly? And I said, sure. And he said, I don't know that you're aware of this, probably not. But he said, we're having some problems in public education. I said, no. <laughs> you <Really>? don't say. <laughs> I, I'm shocked, doctor. And he said, no, it's true. He said, test scores continue to decline. He said, uh, student satisfaction is declining. Parents' involvement is declining. Teacher satisfaction is declining. So he said, I put together a blue ribbon panel this summer to meet for six weeks to talk about what can we do to revamp public education. And you have a very unique perspective. I wonder if you'd be a part of our board. Wow. And I said, okay, kind of hesitantly. So I showed up that night and there were about 15 people there. And as they introduced themselves, each one had a long string of, <laughs> of letters after their names. And this was Dr. So-and-so whose doctorate was in uh, curriculum development, and Dr. So-and-so in educational testing, Dr. So-and-so in literacy. And I said, hi, I'm, I'm Steve and I'm a homeschool dad. And every head in that room revolves 
about 180 <laughs> degrees to look at me. I was sitting towards the back because at that point in history, nobody had ever actually seen a homeschool parent and lived to tell about it back in wow. 1981. <laughs> so the fellow begins, he goes to the whiteboard, and he takes his marker and he begins to write in the whiteboard. He goes, we could all talk about a lot of things that are wrong with public education, but he goes, let's start with something positive. Let's start with what we know is right and true about public education. Number one, the responsibility for educating children rests with the state. Ooh. And I raised my hand. He goes, <laughs> yes, Mr. Lambert. I said, that's not right. He goes, what do you mean that's not right? I said, the responsibility for educating children rests with the parents. And the only reason the state has any input is because the parents have uh, abdicated part of that responsibility and, and turned right. it over to the state. And he said, well, let's take a brief recess. And so they didn't really <laughs> want to hear what I had to say. And so I didn't attend the rest of those meetings. But we're now at a place where colleges and universities are aggressively recruiting homeschool students. Right. Um, it's gone from being unknown or even unthinkable, unimaginable to a mainstream interest. And now uh, when my daughter was the first, this, this was an interesting story to me. My oldest daughter was the first uh, homeschool student to go to a large um, community college. In 1990, I believe it was, she was only 16. She enrolled at 15 and she started her first class a week after her 16th birthday. And when she uh, went through the enrollment process, they gave her standardized testing on language arts and math and blah, 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 and they placed her. And But the counselor said, you know, I see here in your transcript that you're a homeschool student. He said, I don't know we've ever had a homeschool student before. He said, so what was that like? And she said, well, you know, it's different, but you know, it's been good for me. So she goes to her first day of class and it's a public speaking class and everybody, it was a prereq for every incoming freshman, whether, you know, regardless. And I think there were 30, 31,000 students in this community college at that time. Oh, wow. And she was the first and probably the youngest homeschool student and the youngest student on the campus. So her first day of class, she's horrified to realize that her public speaking teacher is the guy who did her admissions counseling. He wasn't really a counselor. He was a, a public speaking teacher. So at that, he said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's no way to teach public speaking. It's just a matter of getting used to the concept of standing in front of an audience. So beginning Monday, I want each of you to be prepared to give a six minute speech on military involvement and nation building as a, as a, in foreign countries. <laughs> Except for you, Ms. Lambert. And I'd like for you to give a six minute speech on what it was like to be homeschooled. And she just about sunk under her desk in embarrassment because she didn't really want anybody to know at that time, right. at least her fellow students. And she said, Dad, she said, what am I going to do? And I said, well, you're going to get up and, and tell them about it. And so she said, as far as I can tell, she said there were returning mothers, returning empty nesters coming back to college. There were GIs coming back on GI Bill that had been in Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, he, she said there were uh, jocks there who were not really interested in academics. They were there to play sports. There were cheerleaders. There were pre-med students. But everybody had to take this class. And so, so she said, I got up and I told my story. And she said, as far as I can tell, every person in that class before the semester was over found me somewhere on the campus in the quadrangle and the library, the, the uh, dining room, the parking lot to say, I'm so jealous that your parents were involved in your education. I wish mine had been. But she said, here's the one that killed me, Dad. She said, the most prestigious school district in our in our area, and we live here in the Midwest, uh, is a 5A school district. And the, that particular school, I think, has around 4,000 uh, students in the high school. 
And she said, a young girl came up to me in that class. And she said, can I talk to you a minute? And she said, sure. And she said, when I started high school four years ago, my dream was to become valedictorian of my graduating class. She said, I've never been to a sleepover. I've never been on a date. She said, I've never been at a roller skating party or anything else. I've studied for four years. And she said, there was this guy and he and I were neck and neck for four years in our scores. And she said, it's not enough to have a 4.0. She said, I was in all AP classes. So she said, it came down to the last test of the last class of the last semester of our senior year. And I beat him by two questions on one of the final exams. And she said, um, so last May, she said, I was valedictorian. My dream came true. And she said, I stood on the football field in front of 4,000 of my peers, parents, community leaders, uh, pastors, uh, government leaders in our community. And I delivered the commencement address. And she said, both of my parents were too busy to attend. Oh, wow. I wish my parents had cared as much about me as your parents cared about you. And that's what's changed. It's gone from being anathema to being mainstream course that even kids who may mock it and make fun of it now are somewhat envious. And frankly, I think a lot of parents who poo-poo it are envious and they wish they had the courage to teach their kids like today's homeschool parents. Wow. What an incredible story. That is amazing. I, it's incredible to see what the Lord has done through your kids and to imagine all of the kids who really do wish that they had been in the shoes of children like yours, especially back in those days, you know, and it was so foreign. It's still so foreign for so many people, even though now it's so much more widely accepted, but I still think people are kind of like homeschooling. What, what does that even look like? And so, you know, we are so thankful to have the freedom that we have today because people like you have fought for our freedoms, um, but also to have the ability to just open up people's eyes and help them to see that homeschooling is such a blessing, not just for the parents, but especially for the kids and for their futures. So we are out of time. We are going to come back on Wednesday and continue this conversation. I I'm, I'm loving talking to you. Um, thank you so much, Steve. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, they can learn about our curriculum at www.fiveinarow.com, all spelled out like one word, F-I-V-E-I-N-A-R-O-W, fiveinarow.com. Okay, we will put links to that in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Please be sure to share this with a friend. I know you've got a friend who needs to be encouraged. Just hit that share link and send it off to them. We would appreciate that so much. And if you have not yet seen the movie, Schoolhouse Rocked, go to schoolhouserocked.com. Steve has seen it. He loved it. Yeah. Actually, let me just say really quickly, this is kind of funny. Steve was the first person who said to us, you've got to get Heidi St. John in this movie. And this was years ago. I mean, this was probably just a couple months into our filming of the movie. And he said, you've got to get Heidi St. John in this film. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so we we did. And, and um, actually, I shouldn't say you were the first one. Andrew Pudua was the first one who said that. And then you sent a message shortly after that. And you said, you've got to get Heidi St. John in this film. And you were really good friends with her as well. And so we're like, okay, God must really want Heidi St. John in this movie. So she's in it. If you haven't seen it, go to schoolhouserock.com and you can see who Heidi St. John is. Great um, movie. And, and yeah, thank you all by God's grace. Um, and so many other great cast members that the Lord has brought to us because he's a faithful God. Thank you guys. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Have a great day. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both 
watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.